With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole. Good morning, everyone. This is Jason Searle, and on behalf of Capon's Men, we thank you for joining us in the Foxhole. Our men's faith formation groups follow the example of serving the Godfather Emil Capon, a priest from Kansas who lived the gospel in a simple daily life all the way through his heroic actions on the battlefields and in the prisoner of war camp in Korea, where he eventually died at the hands of his captors. Although Father Capon was ordered to safety during the Battle of Hunsan, his response to accompanying his men during the battle that ensued and their subsequent capture resulted in Father Capon becoming the most highly decorated chaplain in United States Army history. His faithful service to our Lord was an example we would all like to emulate. This week, we're honored to have Colonel Doug Thomas, who spent his career serving our nation in the United States Army in multiple artillery leadership roles. Colonel Thomas has served all over the globe, including tours in Kosovo, Germany, Iraq, and at NATO headquarters in Brussels. He currently serves as the Chief of Operations for the Long Range Precision Fires Cross-Functional Team at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Colonel Thomas, having dedicated his life to the profession of arms, safeguarding us all, finds himself in a very different fight at this moment, and one that brings trials that are overwhelming, but not insurmountable, especially given his faith. It's that faith and his love of family, namely his wife Tiffany, and her two great children, Mackenzie and Brendan, that define him. While we're eager to hear more of Colonel Thomas's story, I want to remind everyone that you can find all our faith formation resources at capeandspend.com. And as for this podcast, the weekly listens continue to grow. So thank you for your continued efforts to share this message with Father Capon, and he continues to inspire all of us today. Joe Ferris is going to lead us with a prayer. And with this, it's an honor to introduce and welcome Doug and Joe. Good morning, brothers, and thanks for joining us in the foxhole. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Today, we're going to talk a lot about uh, something that, that Father John Landsworth, the chaplain of Capon's Men, talked about one of the first times I ever met him. And I remember being on this retreat with him, and it was early on in the Capon's Men movement. And he stood up and he said this. He said, he talked about Jesus and the following of Jesus. And he said, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I remember Father John Landsworth in a simple beautiful way, opening up what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what it really means to be a Capon's man. And so, so today we're going we're gonna to dive into the second part of that, which is really taking up your cross. And I think we live in a world that tells us to avoid suffering, avoid pain, uh, to almost turn our backs to anything uncomfortable. And I just would say to those on, that are with us this morning and those that are listening to the podcast, Sometimes the better response is to move toward the cross you've been asked to carry by Jesus and to do, do it in a way uh, that not only is, is, is an inspiration to those around you, but is an inspiration to your family. And you're going to hear that today. And you're going to see the wake, not only of Capon's men, but of Father John Lanzareth, 
our, our chaplain on this call today. So I'm going to ask you in prayer today just to take a second in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. And, and as you just take a second to calm your heart and to be uniquely present to this moment and to surrender that moment to the Holy Spirit, to just think about the crosses in your life, the crosses that you've been asked to carry. Come Holy Spirit. And I just would invite you today to, to, to really stay super close to those crosses as we chat and to ask God for the, the courage and the strength to carry those crosses. And I know for all of us on this call, we'll pray for our families that are carrying crosses. I will pray for those people in our community that are carrying crosses. And we'll just ask, Lord, that, that we can lock arms and continue to lock arms to be present to each other during these struggles. In particular, Lord, I pray especially for Doug this morning. I pray that, that he can speak words of encouragement to us and inspiration to us, and that he knows um, that, that we can't carry his cross, but we can be present to him. Come Holy Spirit. I ask all these things, Lord, through the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of our mother. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Doug, it is a great honor to have you on the podcast with us this morning, and I'd like to jump right in. We spoke yesterday, you and I, and your story and the way that you came to know the Lord really encouraged me. So let's just start about your journey to the faith. I'd love for you to maybe take a second and introduce yourself, but then tell us a little bit about how you came to be a man of faith. Hey, Joe, thanks, and, and Jason, thanks for the introduction. Uh, you, you guys are setting the bar pretty high. Hopefully I can uh, hopefully I can, I can meet the intent here a little bit. So first off, you know, you guys, you guys said it all in terms of what, my, what, what I am. I'm a colonel in the United States Army. I've, I've served for 21 years. It's all I've really done. Um, actually, I started before that in the National Guard. Uh, I enlisted in the Army in 1993. Uh, when I was a junior in high school, I went to basic training, advanced individual training, and then I went to college with ROTC before I went active duty. So this is pretty much everything that I've known uh, for my entire life. And, you know, Joe, you asked yesterday about service and why, you know, why I decided to serve. I didn't, I didn't really, uh, it was one, it was, again, one of those opportunities and that I couldn't pass up. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time. She, uh, she was very smart, much more intelligent than I was. She was going to college, and, and I was kind of on this uh, other track of just kind of treading water in school and, and other activities, and I knew I was going to do something. I really didn't know what it was going to be, and she pretty much put it plainly that she was going to Kansas State, and uh, if I wanted to go there, then you know we could continue this relationship, but otherwise uh, it would end. And so I had to figure that out. So one day I walked into, I walked into my high school and um, there was a recruiter sitting there uh, for the National Guard. That's how I got involved in the National Guard. And, and I said, hey, can you get me to college? And he said, absolutely, come take this test tonight. I'm sure many of us uh, young men uh, heard that question. Uh, I went and took the test. I did pretty well on it. And the next thing I know, I was on a bus to Fort Leonard Wood. We called it Fort Lost in the Wood at the time. Uh, Missouri, where I spent nine weeks of my life um, getting whipped into shape. And then uh, it really changed me uh, for the better. 
and uh, the rest is history in terms of uh, why I decided to serve. And, you know, 21 years, or more than that now, 27 years later, I still continue to serve and I still um, enjoy what I do. Yeah. I have a son who's discerning a um, a movement toward the the armed services and doing some work in the military. And one of the things that he and I keep talking about uh, is just this idea that a life of service has to flow from a life of faith. And I think yesterday, as we talked about your life of service um, in, the, in, the, in the military, um, that, that that for you has developed from a life of faith. Would you, would you break open a little bit of how your faith is connected to this life of service? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I never really felt myself... Uh, I I kind of went through the motions with faith. I, I grew up in a Catholic home. My mom and dad raised me... Um, through all the sacraments, uh, I went to Catholic school. That's how I met Father Father John Lanzareth. And, um, you know, again, it was important to me, but it wasn't necessarily the foundation of what, everything that I was doing. Um, and as I grew up, I knew that it was important enough that I wanted my children to be part of it. And so we did. We, You know, we, my, my children have been raised in the Catholic Church. They went to Catholic schools. Uh, at periods of time when we could when I was in the military moving around. By the way, they've been in seven different... My daughter, who's a senior this year, has been in seven different schools, so it's it's awful hard to get them in Catholic school every time. But when uh, when I when I heard my diagnosis, I think it kind of came, um, came to a head that I, I needed to make some decisions and priorities that were different than I had been previously. And I think we all do that to some degree. You know, God is part of our life, but we don't necessarily know uh, where to put him. And um, we struggle with that relationship. And that's that's what I did. I struggled. And um, as uh, as I as I learned my diagnosis and I I started putting my team together um, to help me through this, Father John being one of them, I think I really kind of took a more uh, measured approach to how I wanted that relationship with God to be. Yeah, I, it's interesting to hear you talk about your children going to different schools because certainly the missionary life, uh, you feel very much the same way. I, I'm curious, Doug, and I know that we talked about it yesterday, but for those that are on the podcast, uh, you talk about priorities and your priorities shifting a little bit um, due to this diagnosis. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about the diagnosis and maybe um, the urgency associated with some of the, the movement in your heart uh, toward a life of faith and, and even toward building out around you a system to support your faith as you've, you've picked up this cross and started to walk. Yeah, so it was uh, just to kind of give you some background on me. I'm a, I'm an avid, I say am, I was an avid runner. I will be again. Um, I ran, you know, about eight miles a day, five days a week. I did marathons, I did half marathons, 5Ks, et cetera. And so in May of, well, it was really about April of this year, I started feeling some um, fatigue as I was running and, and not being able to run as much. And, you know, I'm, I'm 45 now, so we all, I don't want to say that I'm getting old, but we all wonder if that's the case, if we're just getting a little older and, and those uh, and the physical activity just isn't coming to us like we, we once had it. But it was different, and the whole COVID thing kind of scared me just because 
you know, it was shortness of breath. It was, um, I was feeling some, uh, coughing and things like that. And so finally I decided after about a month of feeling some minor symptoms of what I thought may be pneumonia, as I looked up MD, you know, uh, medical MD, uh, I went to the, I went to the base to get checked out. They did a, uh, they did a x-ray on my chest and they found that I had my left side was basically full of fluid and I had 50% capacity of my lung. Um, so they immediately, uh, sent me over to Comanche County uh, hospital here in a lot in Oklahoma, uh, where I was admitted to the emergency room. I was, I was a little freaked out. I just like, Hey, this is pneumonia. Give me some antibiotics and send me home. Um, but what the doctor said was, Hey, a normal, healthy 45 year old doesn't get pneumonia. We got to figure out why this was, why this is that you have this. And so they just kept poking and prodding me. And I, I will tell you, I called the, I called the young phlebotomist that used to come into my room and take my blood, the vampires, because they did it in the middle of the night, but they took a lot of blood from me to try to figure out what was going on. And I look back very thankful that they, you know, that, that, that they did, uh, because what, what we found after a, a biopsy and, a lot of good doctors just not giving up was that I had um, mesothelioma, which is if you've heard about it, we all kind of grew up and uh, we saw the commercials. It's uh, airborne uh, fibers that you breathe in called asbestos that causes mesothelioma. And uh, that can then uh, get in your pleural sac, which is uh, what surrounds your, what surrounds your lungs. And it can create this cancer called mesothelioma. And so that's, uh, that's what I was diagnosed with. And it was very fast. So from the time that I went into the hospital till the time that I was diagnosed was about seven days. And, um, before I was, uh, before they finally made the decision that I was diagnosed, um, there was a lot of talk about, Hey, this could be malignant. And, you know, those words malignancy, uh, we've probably all heard them and, and, and they're scary. And so, uh, as they said that word, um, I was by myself in the hospital. Uh, it was COVID and my wife wasn't able to visit. My kids weren't able to visit my parents. Everybody was calling me on the phone, but you know, asking me how I was doing. I was like, Hey, I got pneumonia and they think I got something else. I don't know what it is. Um, and so I, at the point where they thought that there may be some malignancy, uh, is when I finally called father John and I didn't have his phone number. And I called him up and I said, Hey father, I need some help. Cause you know, again, I go back to my faith question, uh, your faith question. My faith wasn't the strongest. And I, I felt like at that point I need somebody that knew how to pray to pray for me. And, uh, father John was the guy that I looked back on my life and really aspired to be like in terms of somebody that, uh, followed Jesus. And so, uh, I asked him to help me and, the thing he said, and Joe, you, you brought it up early. Um, you said, you know, his whole spiel on discipleship, which he's got down very well. He said, let Jesus lead you. That was a little different for me because I'm a leader and I lead, um, but I let Jesus lead. And so long answer to your short question, but that's, uh, that's a little bit about my diagnosis. No, I, I let Jesus lead you. I mean, that, that's something we all need to hear uh, on a daily basis. I mean, we probably shouldn't wait um, until those moments, but 
for you, you, know, you began to work with Father John Lansworth. I think we all, again, know him or at least have seen him on the, in the video series and, and are alive. Um, and he's kind of spiritually directed you um, through all of this. Would you share, be comfortable sharing with us some of the things he's taught you and maybe some of the things uh, beyond Let Jesus Lead You, which is a pretty strong start, um, that has helped you through this process? Because I know you, you speak of him um, so glowingly, and I think we all do. I think it's encouraging for the people that hear this that don't know him uh, to even hear some of the ways he's directed you through this. For, for that, that man listening right now who maybe is looking at a pretty large cross too and maybe doesn't have that support system uh, close to him. Yeah, so I think the number one thing is um, rather than why me, it's why not me. And what do I mean by that? When you when you talk about when you talk about the crosses you bear, um, they're all hard, right? It doesn't matter whether it's mesothelioma or your wife um, tells you to get out of the house because you're you're not a very good husband. It it doesn't matter. I mean, it, we all have crosses to bear. It's some, but if you take every cross and you make it an opportunity, rather than something that's against you I think you can deal with it much better and um, that's really I think what Father John's taught me is that it was about an opportunity to lead and inspire others versus just feel sorry for myself you know when I took off uh, the uniform the day that um, the day that I went into the the hospital where I thought I had pneumonia um, and I finally got my diagnosis I thought it I looked in my closet and I was like I'll never wear that again but I did. I, I am. I'm back at work. I'm, I'm doing things that I should be doing. And I'm living my life. Uh, my daughter is getting ready to go to college. We watched, I was telling Joe and Jason before the call, we were watching the FAFSA, FAFSA uh, video last night on how to best uh, apply for financial aid for your kids to go to college so you don't go into debt for the rest of your life. Um, these are the type of things that you have to continue to do. And it's not, it's, you know, you can look at these crosses and say, oh, woe's me. Uh, I'm in the worst position and nobody else has it worse than I do. But I promise there's somebody else that has it worse. And you can take every falter, every step, every cross that you have, and you can make it an opportunity. You can be better. Now that That is uh, for sure wisdom from a man who is um, carrying a cross um, in, in a powerful, beautiful way. And I just I encourage you, in that and I thank you for that. You you even have gone further, Doug. In our conversation yesterday, you brought up a way you live your life um, that, that clearly the faith is important. But there are some principles that you've kind of lived by um, as a as a man in the military, as a leader for lots of people in the military. But even just in your day to day life, how has that helped you through this as well? And what are some of those things you 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 value pretty high? Well, I have. I'm again after 21 years of service serving as a colonel one of the pinnacles of your career the job that you get uh, doing that is um, being a battalion commander I had 400 young men and women who were very uh, great Americans that chose to serve their country that I got to lead um, and it was an honor and so as as you prepare for that position you reflect back on your career and you you decide Hey, what are the things that I did that maybe kind of made me successful, even though 
you know, it's, it's, it's really for the opinion, whether you were successful or not, but they put you in this position, so you got to take it. And so, you know, I came up with six tenets, um, of where I, where I felt that you could, you could attack every problem set, uh, every day and, um, and be better for it. And so those six principles and I'll, and I'll, and I'll number them. So everybody knows where I'm at. Because sometimes I, I love this stuff and I get I start talking a little fast. So, um, Joe, if I start talking too fast or I need to repeat something, please slow me down. So the first one's uh, being aggressive. Being aggressive sometimes comes with a negative connotation, but so does war, right? We're all going into war. And so I felt like soldiers can be aggressive and it's okay. But, you know, this is everything that you do. And, you know, I'll, I'll relate this back to my fight. Um, so when I first was diagnosed, uh, they were going to send me to um, a hospital down in Texas called MD Anderson, and it's a great cancer center, and I don't want to take anything away from it. But they didn't call me back, and uh, it had been a week. And so when they didn't call me back, I I had to go figure it out on my own. And so I did some research on my own, and I made a phone call uh, to another doctor. Uh, his name is Dr. Ripley. He works at Baylor College of Medicine. He's, he's really good at what he does in this field. And, uh, within, within an hour, four hours of me, uh, of me making the, sending the email to his office, I had an email from him and his front office staff. And I said, this is my doctor. And we were down there the next Wednesday and I was in surgery by June 4th. So diagnosed on May 19th, I was in surgery on uh, June 4th, my 21st wedding anniversary. That's being aggressive. And so, again, that first tenet, being aggressive, always go after what you want. Number two is keep it simple. You know, when you, when you get one of these uh, big diagnoses like this, I will tell you, I don't even know half the words. I just learned plural, uh, which is the lining around your lung. My wife, you know, hits me all the time. She's like, you got to remember some of this stuff. But bottom line is, you know, I would rather you just say that there's a lining around your lung than call it the plural, uh, plural lining. Um, you keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate things. There's too many overcomplicated things in our life anyway. And I'm a simple person. I told you I struggled in high school a little bit. Um, and I didn't do great in college. Uh, I've done better since. But uh, it, it's one of those things where I'm a very simple mind and I, and I like to have things uh, uncomplicated as possible. And so you know, making sure that you speak English and understand what is happening to you and what things are going on is very important. Number three is moral courage. And this, you know, this kind of goes into the whole faith too um, aspect. You know, I'll have faith in God and I'll ask Jesus to lead me. Um, but, you know, in terms of those, you know, we ask Jesus to lead, but Jesus isn't just going to take us uh, everywhere we need to go. We need to ask, ask tough questions and we need to make sure um, that we help these decisions out. And so that's, you know, in terms of moral courage, I ask tough questions. And when people tell me things that I don't necessarily want to hear, I ask, I ask questions again and again. And sometimes I say, okay, I'm not interested in this. And that takes moral courage. Number four is having a good attitude. Attitude is 90% of everything we do. And it goes back to what I talked about before. Why me versus why not me? You can flip the script on those type of things and you can just have a good attitude and say, hey, I know I'm tired and I'm going to go take a nap and I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. One of the things that uh, the doctors have told me since my diagnosis is staying active is very important. Um, within 24 hours of me getting out of major 
lung surgery where I was down and out and I shouldn't even been walking. I was up uh, on a walker walking around and they said, that's the best cure is just moving around. Um, if you stay sedentary and you let them pump you full of pain medicines, which don't get me wrong, pain medicines are very important. I like them a lot. Um, but you're not going to get better. And uh, you have to have that attitude that you're going to get better. Number five is family. You know, again, I, I didn't get to really talk about it much, but, you know, fa family is really important to me. And one of the things I talk to my soldiers about and I've talked and I've done myself is I've always used this. Uh, I've always used the love bank as my measure of how I treat my family. Um, the love bank is one of those things where you have to make more deposits than you make uh, withdrawals. And, you know, I use the example of, hey, if you go on a year long deployment and you are uh, and you and you come back from that deployment and you think that work is more important than your than your daughter's ballet recital, you probably have some priorities that aren't straight and you need to make sure you fill that love bank back up. There's never a 50 50 with it, but your family is that important and you need to make sure that you take care of them. The Army has a song um, and one of the lines in the song, the Army song. It says, the Army keeps rolling along. Well, the Army keeps rolling along with or without Doug Thomas. My family doesn't necessarily do that, and that's what I try to keep remembering. And then finally, my sixth tenant is have fun. And that kind of goes with, uh, the, uh, with the attitude piece, but it's a little different. It's keeping your sense of humor, being able to laugh, making sure that, uh, that you enjoy what you're doing, because if you don't, you need to change what it is that you're, you're going after. Um, and then to kind of wrap this up a little bit in terms of the, these six tenants, you know, as a, as a leader, I, I also feel like I had to enlist the right people and team and every job that I've ever been in to help me do these things. And so, you know, I talked about Father John. I talked about some others. Um, you know, and I also have a, a cancer coach that's gone through chemotherapy three different times. You know, Miles uh, is, is a great friend of mine. He's been in the Army just as long as I have, and he's had melanoma. He's had uh, uh, colon cancer, and he's had uh, the colon cancer metastasized, metastasized to his pancreas. And so that guy, talk about surgeries and talk about the, the things that, that he's had to bear his cross. He's the guy I talk to when I start feeling bad about how I'm feeling when I'm having chemotherapy or other things. So he's my cancer coach. And there's others out there that I've enlisted through this whole process. So it's, you know, in terms of these six tenants and, and enlisting those to help you, it's all very important as you pick up your cross. Thank you, Doug. And thank you for the principles. I mean, those principles work in everything. I'm listening to you. And I, as a lay passionist, there's something that the, the priests and the monks, they say a lot of the passionist priests do, and they'll say, may the passion of Jesus Christ be always in our hearts. And as I'm hearing you talk, I can hear, even behind the words that you're speaking, um, just the fact that you have not only taken up your cross, but you've embraced your cross. And clearly, Jesus is leading you through this process. I I'd love it, uh, as we kind of close up here, what would, it, what would you say, Doug, is one grace that you've taken from this process that you haven't had a time, haven't had a moment maybe to share with us. Is there something that really sticks out to you? Um, Cause there's so much in what you've already told us, but is there anything we've missed or anything more you'd say, Hey Joe, here's one thing that I really think about, pray about um, that has, has come to light as a result of all of this. 
I, you know, I honestly, I, I think it's, uh, it's given me the strength to, to live each day like it's my last. Um, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't necessarily want to know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I know what today is, and I want to live it to the best of my ability. And that's the grace, I think, that I've really uh, been able to acquire through this whole process. In the spirit of that, Doug, I want you to know that I'm praying for you personally, but I know a lot of people that, that are going to listen to this podcast or have, have come on to the call this morning, um, you need to be super assured of our prayers and the fact that we are here uh, for you and for your family as you continue to carry this cross. I'm going to ask you to, to pray us out of here as we do all of our guests um, and be aware that Scott's going to come in on the backside and close it down once you're done. Um, but I just I thank you. I thank you for your time. I, I, I'm inspired by you and encouraged by you. Um, and I just would ask you uh, to, to lead us in prayer out of here today. But know, uh, Doug, and please share this with your family as well, um, that, that we are accompanying you um, on this journey and are going to continue to pray for you. So let's, let's pray us out of here, and then Scott will come in on the backside. Hey, thanks, Joe. And uh, in the spirit of Father John's discipleship, I found a prayer written by Kurt Stuckmeyer. Uh, I want to recite for you today. God of love, source of mercy and compassion, we redream for the world into the fabric of our lives. Remove the scales from our eyes and let the indifference from our hearts so that we may see your vision. A new reign of justice and compassion that will renew the earth. Transform our lives so that we, we may accomplish your purpose. Anoint us with your spirit of love that we might bring good news to the oppressed, bind up the brokenhearted, and proclaim release to the captive. Give us a new urgency and a new commitment to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, and visit those who live in isolation. Help us to reach out to those whom no one else will touch, to accept the unacceptable, and to embrace the enemy. Surround us with your love, fill us with your grace, and strengthen us for your service. Empower us to respond to the call of Jesus, to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses, and to follow. Make us your disciples. Amen. Amen. Doug, we're so grateful that you were willing to join us today in the foxhole. Um, like Joe said, we're, we're praying for you and rooting for you in your battle with cancer. And we really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing not only the blessings, but also the struggles that have come with picking up this cross. I couldn't help but think of Father Capon when you spoke about your decision not to shrink from the cross, but to lead both your family and your soldiers through it. It's a really great witness of our faith to the world that needs it. So thank you for that. When you listed out your six principles that have led you to success in your life, I'm guessing that all of us listening heard at least one thing that the Lord was putting on our hearts that could help us to become better Christian men and better Christian leaders. And our challenge this week, I think, is to identify that one principle and focus on implementing it here in the coming weeks. If anyone needs to look at the list again, we've typed it out in the description notes for this episode, so you can check it out there. Our guest next week in the foxhole is Dr. Jim Otteson, uh, professor of business ethics and economics at Notre Dame University and author of several books on honorable business. He'll be talking with us about the intersection of business and the gospel, which is a battlefield, really, where we need faithful Catholics to stand their ground. So we hope you'll join us next week with Dr. Otteson. 
As always, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Capens Men. And we hope you'll share this podcast with your friends if you find it useful uh, and give us a great review. It really does help us to be found and to, to spread the message of the gospel and Father Capen's story as well. So until next time, stay humble, stay courageous, and may Father Capen pray for all of us. Thanks for joining us in the foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words from Father Capen himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.